Welcome. This is a new solo show that we are going to try doing here. And I think I'm going to, you know, Jeff has his recruiting with Recruitu, or Recruitu, Recruitu. And I think we're going to call this the GFB Express. And this is an homage and a blatantly ripped off name from Bean Mace and Mitch Harper, who, while we all know and love them as the founders of the Cougar Center podcast, which was at one point one of the top 10 or 20 uh, college football podcasts on all of Apple, the they also, for a little while, were doing the CFB Express, where they decided to broaden out a little bit and get beyond the cougar dumb and talk about college football at large. And so as Jeff and I are trying to kind of expand what we are doing here and provide more off-season content, I'm going to do a weekly maybe bi-weekly kind of anything. There's a story that is more CFB adjacent at large, but not necessarily related to BYU to try to do like a quick 15 to 20 minute express episode, giving you the rundown on things. And we kind of ended up here because there's a lot of stuff where I am very into the business of college football. I'm into college football at large. I am the dude that is not just checking scores and flipping channels, but when I open my score app, I'm going to the FCS games and checking to see what is, you know, playing. And there's a close game that's on ESPN 17 that I got to go fire up some Chinese website to get there. I'm the guy who's watching all of those. And so my world and kind of the stories that interest me, maybe this is a big flop. It doesn't go anywhere please give feedback, but just kind of at large, what are some of the quick hitters, big headlines from the college football world that you may have missed that may be interesting to you? So with that, here's the first episode of Give Em Hell Brigham's GFB Express. Biggest news of the last week, and this has been everywhere all over the internet, is definitely the Pac-12 media deal. Now on our main show, we're this is going to come up because it's the biggest thing, but Really, in the last week, week and a half, the biggest thing that we have seen is over and over again, there are every single media outlet, except for people who cover the University of Utah, have said that negotiations are not going well. The presidents are not happy with George Klyovkov. Um, you know, CBS is out of it, which I think that was long known that they were not even in it. Fox has said they are not interested. And yeah, Fox has said they are not interested. Amazon. Their question is, do they want everything? Do they want just one marquee game a week, similar to what they have with Thursday Night Football in the NFL, which it sounds like they want, but ESPN obviously doesn't want to give up the marquee game because that's what they get. Now Apple is in the picture. So that is something that the number, the sheer number of articles that have come out by not just, you know, one random 24-7 guy or here or there, but it's, you know, it's Dennis Dodds. It is Brett McMurphy, it is Stuart Mandel, it's Chris Vanini, it's Nicole Auerbach, it's literally, you know, Pete Thamel, Ross Dellinger, it's literally every single national college football person is saying that the Pac-12 media debacle is just a mess. And they're looking at adding SMU and San Diego State to try to shore that up. And it just doesn't move the needle. The inventory just isn't there. Now, the one thing that I think can save them is potentially a 12-team playoff because the money is there. Oh, I should include the Sports Business Journal. Um, 
And the money just isn't there. There was an offer on the table from ESPN and Amazon for about $25 million in school six months ago. They rejected it because they said it wasn't good enough. And now they're not going to get that because times are down. Things aren't good. And I think it was put best by... Um, it was put best by Andy Staples on his podcast that there's a scholarship and they offered two players and the Big 12 took the scholarship. And so there wasn't a scholarship, a spot left on the team for the other, the other recruit. And that's kind of how this has played out. So that will probably be wrapped up in the next three weeks or so. So, and you're probably all familiar with that. Uh, another interesting thing is coaching turnover. It kind of feels like we are insulated from this because we got our, we, got rid of the old defensive staff. We had, you know, by the first couple of weeks of January, we had the new defensive staff in place. We were familiar with all the names, but it's still stuff is ongoing, especially now that the NFL has ended with the Super Bowl and the NFL cycles are changing. Now they're starting to grab guys from the college thing. So a little, you know, kind of circle of things here just between Tulane and Cincinnati. So Tulane hired a defensive coordinator from Marshall he was there for like two weeks or something. And then Miami paid a $500,000 buyout to Tulane and he left. So he left without ever coaching a game. And then Tulane turned around and hired the Troy DC, which I think is a very, very good hire for them. I watched Troy a lot last season. I actually went to the Troy South Alabama game last year. And Troy won the Sun Belt. It was a very good team, very good defensively, one of the best defenses in the country. And that's a very good hire for Tulane. Um, so, but then Cincinnati. Obviously, they just got a new staff. They got brought over Luke Fickle left to go to Wisconsin. Scott Satterfield comes over from um, Scott Satterfield comes over from Louisville, and their offensive coordinator just left to go coach for the Colts, who got a new staff. Their outside linebacker coach was hired to Troy as their defensive coordinator, and their linebackers coach was the inside linebackers coach was hired also by Miami. So the guy who left Tulane to go to Miami after three weeks hired one of Cincinnati's coaches also there. So Cincinnati has had three new coaches out of Scott Satterfield's new staff there that left without even coaching a game and similar things. There was a Gino, I can't even remember how to say his last name. It's a long Italian last name. He was the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati followed fickle to Wisconsin and he's going back and he's the quarterback's coach now at Notre Dame. So there's, it's still ongoing. There's, I think it's mostly settled down now. There may be a couple big new waves, but obviously, you know, there's still the Andy Ludwig and Notre Dame flirting. Um, I There's the Ander, Notre Dame and Andy w- Ludwig flirting a couple weeks ago with between Utah and Notre Dame. And so there is still a little bit of thing going on there. Um, other notes regarding Pac-12 expansion. The supposedly, the uh, San Diego State Athletic Director is telling people, at the Mountain West Conference Dive Swim and Dive Championships, which are hosted in Houston, which I guess Houston has really good facilities, but the Mountain West doesn't have a presence in Texas, and your furthest east school is what I, I don't know which is more east between New Mexico, the University of New Mexico, and like Colorado State or Wyoming. But it's why are you going all the way to Texas for your conference championship when you could just meet in San Diego or meet in Fresno or Vegas? Like, there's no there's no reason to be going out of your way to go halfway across the country for swim and dive when nobody cares, but whatever. The only reason I can think of is he's either trying to get money or he is trying to, you know, just smooth people. So he's telling them what they want to hear or something is clearly imminent, which the big reason of them adding them is just that they want to increase the number of games available by from like 75 to 90 so they can try to sell more games. But if it doesn't improve your unit economics enough of what they will pay out per game, then it doesn't make a difference. So it's just trying to get people what they want. Um, 
I don't know that it will happen, but supposedly he said that it's really weird. And at first it, you're like, why would he be saying that at the swim and dive? Like this is unlikely because nobody there cares. And I think that's probably why he said it. If he did say it, is because nobody there cares. So they don't care. So he didn't expect them to say anything. Uh, other football news, there have been proposed clock changes. So the four things that, that have been proposed for in an attempt to shorten in game, which unfortunately just cutting out ads or reducing it from two and a half minutes or three minutes down to like 90 seconds. Can't do that because that costs money. Although we could just do a lot more. TVs are big enough now. Zoom out, shrink the game for one play, run a little out on the side. Nobody cares. But the clock changes. Uh, prohibiting consecutive timeouts. So really you cannot ice kickers and call back-to-back timeouts. I think that everyone agrees on this. This is annoying. And if you can't figure it out in one timeout, then you just deserve to get screwed. Like you deserve to lose that whatever is about to happen next. Don't worry about it. Um, no longer extending the first and third quarter for an untimed down. So currently if on the last play of the first quarter or the third quarter, if there's like a, you know, a defensive holding or something that's going to cause you to replay the down, then you would have one untimed down. And before you switch, they're going to get rid of that and only change at halftime or the end of the game. Well, obviously the end of the game makes sense. And then halftime, your changing position also makes sense. I think that honestly, I thought that was already the rule because that situation is so rare, which again, goes back to these aren't going to actually make a difference. Um, the clock will continue to run after an offense gains a first down, except the inside two minutes of half. So obviously big difference between NFL and college college spots, the ball, like the clock stops while the chains are moved in college does not do that in the NFL. They're saying, let's do that except for inside the last two minutes of the half. I'm fine with this. Take it or leave it. I really don't think it's going to shave off that much because as teams are going tempo, they are already getting up to the line and you're maybe on every first down picking up four or five seconds. So it's not really going to give, it's not really going to change that much because it doesn't take that long to spot the ball on a first down, you know, because the action is already, everyone's already pretty close to it. So it's at most going to do five or 10 seconds, which yes, that adds up over the course of the game. But, you know, in a game when you have, you know, if you have 20 first downs and it takes five seconds each, that's only a little over a minute and a half. It's probably going to be two minutes of game time per team of a running clock out of four hours that doesn't move the needle at all. And then the last one clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. So this would be basically an incomplete tra- pass is treated the same way a first down is now, where once they spot the ball, blow the whistle that you're allowed to start play then the clock would start again. This one is gaining less support um, because it's so drastic. I don't, again, I don't think, unless you have a ton of incomplete passes, and this again would also be, except for inside the last two minutes of each half, similar to the clock running while the chains are moved. Um, I don't think this makes that big of a difference because a lot of times, and maybe people don't even, don't realize this, that, it was like 2012, 2013. They changed the rule that the clock ran. Like they already do this for running the ball out of bounds now. And so if you run out of bounds, it stops the clock until the ball is set again, unless you are inside the last two minutes of the half. 
And then when you run out of bounds, it actually stops the clock, which is the only time during the game that you actually pay attention to the clock is inside the last two minutes when it becomes a factor. Otherwise, it just is the way it is. So people are more up in arms about this. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. And with more and more teams running a spread type offense, you know, running an air raid type offense where they are going for high percentage things and you have quarterbacks routinely completing 70, 75% of their passes. I don't think this is a big deal. It's again, going to maybe shave off a little bit of time, but it's, you know, you maybe are talking collectively about this, all of this, you may be shaving off one, possibly two drives per game and, you know, from each team. And so maybe two or three drives total per game, which isn't just, isn't going to be very much in terms of cl- in terms of real time, because it's going to shut shave maybe 10 f- minutes max off of what the game otherwise would be, because collectively as the clock is running, you're taking off this you know, the real time is while the clock is running, if you shave off seven minutes, it's going to shorten your broadcast by what, seven minutes in one commercial. So you're, you cut 10 minutes off of your game time. It's just not going to make a difference. And I bet you what is going to happen is they will somehow find a way that they will shave this off and then they will increase the commercials by 15 seconds. And so most of that gets eaten up and you end up in the same spot. Um, so those are changes. Last thing, the XFL started last weekend. Um, viewership was way down compared to 2020. And I think a large part of that is just because of how the NFL playoffs are handled. ESPN gets the wild card. Everything else is on Fox or CBS. And the previous iteration in 2020 of the XFL was on Fox. Fox is not involved with the XFL this go around because Fox is the actual owner of the USFL, which is not starting up until April. So with the XFL, you know, they started the week after the Super Bowl trying to kind of piggyback and keep things going, the similar to how they did in 2020, except for in 2020, you know, the Super Bowl was on Fox, the Super Bowl is on Fox, the all most of the playoffs are on Fox, so they're constantly during the height of the playoff season constantly advertising that the XFL is coming soon, the XFL is coming soon. But this go around none of that was there. So nobody was watching football on ESPN for the last month. And so leading into, it's like, you know, if you're watching basketball, if you're watching college basketball, if you're watching SportsCenter, then you would see on ESPN, oh, the XFL is coming. Okay, it's going to be on ABC and ESPN, whatever. However, you know, but there's, it's just not there. That that hype wasn't there. So we'll see how the ratings do. I watched most of the games. The quality was actually, was surprisingly good. The broadcast quality was great. You know, Fox does a great job or ESPN did a great job in their production. Their crews were good. The quarterback play was decent, which my biggest thing is I think these spring leagues are always going to struggle because there's not even 32 good enough quarterbacks to be great NFL starters. So getting down to this level, I think the drop-off at quarterback is proportionally much larger than the drop-off at, say, defensive end or wide receiver where there's a lot of guys who are fast and can catch the ball, but there's not enough guys who can process and make accurate throws fast enough. And so the quarterbacks are 20% worse, but they're 25% worse, but the receivers are only 5% worse and the DBs are only 5% worse. So it just makes it hard to have good quality play is my opinion. Um, so that's why it is just, I added this in here and it is BYU adjacent. 
uh, Tomasi Laulile, he had a pick six. So in the very first game, uh, it was like the second score of the season, scored the first defensive touchdown of the league. And he had a pick six. Uh, it was very reminiscent of his scoop and score that he had versus Utah State in 2015 up in Logan. And so that was awesome to see. And then T. John Caroma is also starting. Um, so good for him. Uh, T. John's looking great. You know, T. John was out of football for a while. He was on the strength and conditioning staff at Tulsa for a bit as a grad assistant. And, you know, he's back in trying to get back into the swing of things. So watch this weekend. Uh, both of them will be playing. And Jeff and I will be recording later in our normal episode of GHB. For now, this is the first episode of the GFB Express.